come down. <clears throat> Is there a cough or clear, clear throat button? Okay, I'll just lean back. <laughs> Hello, friend, and welcome to the Trenton 365 Show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. You're listening to us over WIMG 1300. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well, WIMG 1300. If you're watching, it's over WPHY covering Mercer County, New Jersey, through WPHY Channel 25 covering Mercer County, New Jersey. The Trenton 365 Show has a Facebook page. You can also post your events to the Trenton 365 Community Calendar page as well. And the website is Trenton365.com. And there you can get archives of this interview and others as well. So tonight's interview is going to be a little bit different um, considering it's art-based, but it's not fully art-based in the grand scheme of things. So we're going to be talking to uh, Mercer County Community College's coordinator of photography and digital image, as well as the director of the James Kearney Campus Gallery, professor of photography, and his name is Michael Chovan Dalton. And I'm going to spell his <laughs> last name for you because it's hyphenated. C as in Charlie, H-O-V-A-N hyphen Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N. And his website is the photoshow.org and on that website you'll be able to look at some of his podcasts, get some archival information and learn a bit about him. Um, we spent um, a little while, an um, hour or so having a meal over at Pat's Diner shout out to Pat's Diner, located <laughs> right on South Broad Street and uh, we're, we're mainly talking about photography um, because that's another medium where a lot of people uh, especially a lot of students in this region are getting excited about showcasing uh, their talents whether it's um, on professional photography equipment or like mobile devices, like what I do with the images that I take. So a shout out to the folks on the Trenton Photo Club who are listening as well. Great job this past weekend uh, at Art All Day, Artworks Trenton, Artworks Trenton, Trenton's Visual Arts Center. Shout out to them for hosting the Art All Day event as well. So, Michael. Hello. Chauvin Dalton, <laughs> thanks for a couple of minutes of your time. Sure. I appreciate you being here. So we're going to try to swing this whole big big interview around a lot. A bit about your history, talking a lot about Mercer County Community College, especially the JKC, James Kearney Campus, and then also about an exhibit or a show that you have coming up. And I also want to make sure that we touch base about your individual efforts, um, because uh, during our meal, you enlightened me quite a bit talking about the industry of photography um, and, and what people can expect who want to go into this field as a profession. And I can't wait to get into those details and for you to share them as well. So without any further uh, delay on my part, why don't you just share a little bit about your background? Sure. So uh, I, like you said, I, I, I have too many titles. <laughs> In no time. <laughs> yes, I do too many things. Yeah, um, but yes, I, I'm the professor of photography, coordinator of photography at Mercer County Community College. I've been there since 2005, um, and um, I'm a photographer. I've I've been a photographer since. Oh, I mean, I think uh, officially, you know, I started my senior year in high school, and so I'm old. I, I've been a photographer since 1986. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but you know, when I, when I got out of high school, I did what all my friends did and I, I went to, uh, engineering school <laughs> <laughs> and, and that actually relates to the, uh, the idea of a, of, of a job, right. And what you can do. Uh, but, um, I did, I, uh, I went to engineering, I went to Lehigh and I loved Lehigh actually. And if they had any kind of visual arts program, I would have stayed there, but they didn't. So I went to the school of visual arts, uh, which I also love, um, and uh, I studied photography there. I uh, got my degree. And then for about 10 years, I worked, um, actually a little longer than 10 years, I worked at a science stock photography agency. So I actually got that job while I was an undergrad at the School of Visual Arts. And I ended up staying there for actually upwards of 15 years. And it was a, a, a stock photo agency that supplied science photographs to textbooks. In fact, some of those photos of mine and from the agency are still in my students' textbooks. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's actually a good thing right. or a bad thing, but it's at least it's a nice pat on the back. Knows. For, for you don't get much credit for those photos. <laughs> you have to look at the, the little fine print at the back of the book to see uh, fundamental photographs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for the folks who don't understand how the industry works, can you just talk a, a, a bit more about what is a stock photography yeah. and the process? So stock photography, it's basically a, a library of photographs. Sometimes, uh, like Getty Images, it's very general and it handles a lot of different things from photojournalism to fashion to Hollywood to, 
to you know landscapes and travel and things like that and, and sometimes it's very specific like the agency I worked for uh, fundamental photographs which was science only mm-hmm. uh, so you you um, you submit your photographs you're represented by the stock photo agency and then you split the revenue from sales and the photographs aren't sold outright they're leased right so you get I used to write the reproduction rights so the reproduction rights would be something like um, you know, one-time use for up to 30,000 publication at a quarter size of a page in North America and, you know, wherever else. And so it was, it was things like that in mm-hmm. one language. And, and then, you know, when the Internet came along, that got a lot more complicated. So it was then current and future use uh, in all electronic media and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it was, it was a, you were leasing your photographs and you split the sales. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's drill down on that a bit more. So average person who is a photographer, professional photographer, you work with an agency, um, you contract or you submit your work to these other entities who buy or lease, basically. Yeah, and and actually once the photographer's work is in the agency, the photographer doesn't really do anything. Uh, It's the company that sells the photos, that that leases the photos. Um, The photographer... uh, you know, tries to keep submitting work, but um, their job at that point is to collect royalty fees. Mm, okay. Yeah. And uh, the royalty fees, I mean, most people who think about that, they think about the music industry and so forth. Is it similar? Uh, it is. I still get uh, roughly $1,000 a year on photos I shot many years ago. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so so there's an opportunity for you to make residual income off of this. Exactly. All right. right. That's great. Right. That's but, great. Uh, you know, and, and um, as we had discussed earlier, it, it's not a... It's not a business that's easy to get into now with, you know, the advent of, of camera photography and all. A lot of people are just sort of giving their images away. And so it's a, it's a much tougher market to break into. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to find your own niche. It's very difficult to find the thing that separates you from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into the niche a little bit, but you just touched on something that I wanted to make sure that we covered, and that's technology. Um, I was sharing with you earlier that, you know, I'm, I'm from a big family. I'm one of seven. I grew up in a household, you know, in the 70s and 80s where there weren't many pictures, photographs of me back then. I mean, it was a special occasion to have mm-hmm. your picture taken. And uh, coming from a big family, we just didn't have that capability. Now, everybody has a camera. Can you just talk about how technology has changed from your perspective, has changed the world of photography? Yeah, and, and it has, and, and I think it's made it better. Um, so I, I don't bemoan the fact that everyone can photograph very easily. I mean, there, like I said, the, some of the industries have died and, and are much harder to get into. But also, when photography has always been this very ubiquitous thing, right? It's in ter- meaning once the, there was the invention of the Kodak and the invention of uh, the Leica and, and then the Polaroid, um, you know, the, the history of photography is all about getting getting cameras into more people's hands. That's been the history of photography. It's always been about trying to make it easier, simpler for more people to photograph. Uh, when it was just film photography for most of the history of photography, photography was used, that film photography was used for everything. So it was commercial photography, it was portrait photography, it was fine art photography, it was landscape photography, it was photojournalism, it was documentary, it was everything. Mm-hmm. And so it it was almost... It, because of that difficult to help define photography for students when they were taking f- art classes um, because they were used to photography being family photos and candids and photos of their friends and you know and all kinds of things and then with the advent of digital photography digital photography took almost all of that over all that candid photography all that family photography most of the commercial photography and so film photography became the realm of fine art photography. And it became easier to identify it that way. Uh, and so it, in, in a lot of ways, it's actually easier to teach photography, starting with film photography, which I still do. Um, and it's different now for students. It's, it's new and it's something they've never done before. Whereas when you used to teach photography, everyone had already done it with instant cameras. And so now that, that has uh, made it very different. Um, and it's in some way, so it, it's actually uh, two things kind of pulling at each other here. It, it was never easy to photograph people on the street. Street photography is always the, is one of the hardest forms of photography, okay. most difficult. But 
people became much more suspicious um, after 9-11 and when people became much more afraid of um, uh, pedophiles and terrorists and all kinds of stuff. So, photographing on the street has become more difficult because of that, but it's also become easier in some instances because everyone is used to being photographed. So it's not, it's not unusual or new, it's just people are a little more in the know and they're also, we're in a much more suspicious culture <laughs> right mm -hmm. now. Hmm. So you, you touched on a couple of things that um, is very interesting. Um, you know, I'm out and about quite a bit and I always have my device with me and I'm sometimes taking artistic images, things that I want to look at and reflect back on later. But sometimes it's, it's also a lot of people. And it's interesting that you say about how this, um, since 9-11, how people are more concerned. Why is that person taking an image, capturing an image of that? Yeah. You know, whether it's a bridge or a roadway or something that like that. And can, can you share a bit about what your students have encountered well, with things like I'll, that? I'll start with what I encountered because okay. during 9-11, before and after, I was doing a very long-term project photographing all the bridges of New York City that connect the boroughs and New Jersey. <laughs> and so before 9-11, I never got stopped. Never. Not once. And then after 9-11, I got stopped every time I went out. In fact, I got stopped for, you know, reasonable, I think reason, you know, everybody was very on edge. I understood that. And, uh, and I never, you know, I, I was always able to, to talk with the police officer. And uh, I would say nine times out of ten, they liked photography. And so we just talked about photography. And, and they wanted to know what to do with all their old slides in their basement and everything <laughs> else. So it was, a, it was an easy way to sort of work my way out of that situation. Um, but I would also get stopped for the most ridiculous things, like being in a park and photographing a cliff, and a park ranger would stop me because on top of that cliff was New Jersey Turnpike or something like that. And so, you know, everybody was just so on edge, and nobody really knew what was dangerous and what wasn't, and what they should allow and what they shouldn't. And, you know, once, once there were homeland security laws, or rules, I should say, everything was fair game, there, you really couldn't argue anything. Um, but, so that was my, my own experience, um, and, but what I did notice from my students soon after 9-11 was their photography was darker, I think emotionally darker. I think there were a lot more, there was a lot more depression in their photographs, a lot more photographs that seemed like they were about isolation, loneliness, and suicide. Now, and students do this all the time, students do this all the time, and you know, we see those photographs a lot, uh, but, uh, but I think there, were, there was more of it uh, in the years after 9-11. And these are, uh, uh, and, you know, oftentimes there were also students who I don't think were directly affected because they were too young, but were affected through their parents, through the media, through news, mm. right? Mm. That's fantastic. And, and I want to drill down on that a bit more later um, because um, your vast library of experience <laughs> over the years, not only as an educator... I said I was but, old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we're about the same age since 1986 graduating right. from high school. So we're about the same age. But I do want to drill down on that a bit more because I think that's a part of the industry, especially with art, that a lot of people don't think about. Like how a tragedy like that, how the ripple effects of that have, have changed the landscape of photographers um, going forward. I'm speaking with Michael. Chauvin Dalton, and uh, he is an educator currently at Mercer County Community College. He is the director of James Kearney Campus's gallery, but he's also the coordinator of photography and digital imaging. His website is thephotoshow.org. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things, not only about photography in general, but about himself. And then we'll be talking about what's happening over at Mercer County Community College, especially the James Kearney campus, which is in Trenton, New Jersey. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. And welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. In the studio with me is Michael Chauvin-Dalton, who is an educator currently at Mercer County Community College teaching, teaching photography. And he's got multiple titles. And one of them that we're going to discuss is the coordinator of photography and digital imaging. Just before that break, Michael, we were talking about um, after 9-11 how that changed the complexion or complexity of uh, photography. And you were sharing about one of your experiences, like you were working on this long-term series of capturing bridges for whatever that project was. And then after 
everyone had parked up and was like, hey, why is this guy taking pictures of bridges, etc.? Can you just kind of rehash what you said? And then let's uh, transition and talk about um, the other portion of that where you said more people now, because of digital photography and cell phones and so forth, are way more comfortable with having their picture taken or used to that. Mm, yeah. So, um, right, right after 9-11, uh, I... I was stopped every time I, I went out to photograph, and and then we were talking about my students and the kind of photography I was seeing, and um, it, be, it definitely became darker, and, and there were more photographs that were about isolation and suicide, uh, and that's not unusual in the history of art, in the history of photography. Um, after World War One, after World War Two, uh, after um, Vietnam, um, there were a uh, there's artwork that's always made after these ruptures, these 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 times in history, where there's a lot of violence and people become mistrustful of government and mistrustful of of leadership and feel like they've been led down a, a bad path, mm -hmm. and that shows up in art all the time. Sometimes it shows up in in this very dark imagery. Sometimes it shows up as abstraction, which is another thing I saw a lot um, in photography. When when students turn to abstraction, they tend to turn to macro photography, super close-up things, one-to-one, mm -hmm. -one, microscopic, things like that, as a form of abstraction. And that is a rejection of the reality that you're living in. Uh, and that happens a lot in art. It's a very repetitive thing. Hmm. And, and I don't buy by no standard say that I'm an artist or, or a photographer um, but I noticed that mm -hmm. I personally I'd like to do like you said abstraction I'd like to look at things sometimes super close even the mundane everyday things hey why is that crack in a sidewalk the way that it is why is there something um, unusually shaped or why does the water pass through this roadway this way and I find those things in interesting that, that's a that is a way of questioning um, our our understanding of our reality, of our perception. It's a way of challenging what you've been told is the truth and what you've been told is real. Mm. Yeah. So I've just been <laughs> educated. So, th <laughs> so thank you for that. So um, earlier we were talking about technology, right? And we were talking about technology, and then you went into talking about digital photography. And uh, you had mentioned something about how people now are more comfortable in some step some situations to be able to have their, their image captured can you talk about that yeah so having your photo taken isn't strange at all to anybody uh, because most most people are taking selfies most people are photographing themselves um, one of the things I just did a, a, a portrait lesson with my students and it used to be it used to be really strange and I used to get a lot of pushback when I would tell them we're gonna take photos of each other and nobody's going to smile Right? We're going to do very formal portraiture. We're going to do very serious portraiture. We're going, to do, we're going to do portraiture that includes facial expressions and body language that are open to interpretation, that are suggestive, as opposed to someone just looking happy in a photo, which is what everyone used to do in photographs until the selfie. In the selfie, there's people still you know, smile and, and, uh, for their, their photos to show where they went on vacation and things like that. But a lot of selfies, if you look on Instagram now, if you look on Facebook, a lot of selfies are more about trying to be sexy, trying to be serious, trying to look the best you can, and taking cues from people like the Kardashians. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the Kardashians <laughs> later. I mean, I've got this whole thing that I do during speaking engagements, talking about the effects of the Kardashians on, on our economy, mm -hmm. etc. But we won't get into that oh, now. The Kardashian economy. <laughs> yeah, I love man. it. <laughs> There's a paper in there. <laughs> yes, there is. So um, when you were talking about um, how people used to be or we're more accustomed to being photographed. Um, I think back to like all the historical images that I've seen, because it always seems as though people were very much um, stoic well, in their face. And can that you has a why? lot to do with the process. So early on, it took minutes to make an exposure. You couldn't smile. You had to hold very still. You had to put your hands in your lap or tie your hands up somehow by putting them against your body um, because you were, you were going to shake. There are a lot of photographs that were scraped off the plate, but you can still find some of them, where everyone has ghost eyes because they blinked during the exposure. So you have ha ha your eyelid half exposed on the image. Uh, so that, that became a, a, a look. I mean, we see, that, we see that now as 19th century people didn't have fun. <laughs> but, yeah, or, or their teeth were so bad right, right. that they didn't want to smile. Right. But it's not true. The exposures took too long. 
Uh, and so they couldn't smile. They even wore some more neck braces to keep their heads still. And that's why they looked like the way they did. Uh, but it's, it is now, to, to replicate that now is interesting because we're not used to it. And it does open people up to a certain kind of expression and body language that we read as introspective or serious or some emotional mood and things like that. And that, that came back in full forth full force with tableau photography and what we call the gaze. We're so can you spell that? Tableau? Tableau. Uh, T-A-B-L-E-A-U. Okay. I hope. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, that, you know there's, there's a lot of photography, a lot of tableau photography out there now, like Gregory Crutzen, where people are always kind of staring off into the distance and they are looking very stoic or they are looking very troubled or they are looking very vulnerable. Hmm. So I've got um, a series of historic images um, from a, a church facility that I was managing from the early 1920s, I think, or so. And it's a group of men, is one particular one I'm talking about. It's a group of men, and I'm talking... It, 75 to 100 of them oh, in this one image. probably photographed with a banquet camera, a really, like, wide, long camera. Okay, and that's the the ones with, like, uh, I guess the... So they would have a, a bellows on them, right? So it is it's a it is a, a type of um, large-format camera where the lens can get very far away from the, the film, right, on a bellows, right, moved okay. away. And then a lot of those group photos were taken with 7 by 17 inch plates, glass plates or film so that they could get the whole, you, you, could, you could have everyone in front of the church or everyone in front of the school and get that photo of everyone mm. is that, is that, is that yeah, what it looks that, like? Yeah, very yeah. much mm -hmm. and, um, and also in the image um, and, and I'm sure if this has something to do with the, the spiritual beliefs of, of the people at the time, but some of the, the men in the image are like looking like perpendicular to others Hmm. So one may be looking this way, and the rest are looking yeah. 90 degrees away. That I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that would have been about. Some, <laughs> someone had an idea. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So um, uh, share your web website information, please. So uh, thephotoshow.org is, the, is my website for my podcast, known as The Photo Show. <laughs> um, and so it is a podcast about photography, and we talk uh, to a lot of photographers. I've done... 55 episodes uh, just released the 55th episode um, some of the uh, many of them are with my co-host Comic Bride uh, and some of them are with some other co-hosts and, and, and by myself but it's a show that I started in July of 2015 because I love podcasts and I listen to a lot of um, podcasts about comedians like uh, Mark <laughs> Maron's WTF and and Chris Hardwick's The Nerdist, and I realized that uh, comedians had a similar path to a lot of photographers in terms of the, the, strangeness, the strangeness of choosing that field, right? Which is, has no guarantee of any success, has a lot of rejection, it involves putting yourself out there to the public to be rejected, um, but also not something your parents thought you were going to do or hoping you would do. And... Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I, I found a lot of similarities and I thought, you know, I know photography and I know a lot of photographers and if I, I really want to do something like this and it just made a lot of sense and it's been going really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you touched on something there that I have on my list of questions and, and it was like, what called you, called you to photography? Were you always passionate about photography as a child? I mean, so what was I, it? I think it was my junior year in high school when my cousin Janine uh, recommended this teacher, Mr. Hall, a uh, photography teacher in high school, as an elective, uh, and I took it and I loved it, and that was it, really it for me. Uh, and then I took it again in my senior year, and like I said, I went to Lehigh out of, um, just because I was following the crowd and thought I'd get a job that way. But, uh, I didn't mention this, I, I spent a lot of time at Lehigh photographing, and even using, because there were no facilities, the police the campus police darkroom to print my photos. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so that's, that's, that's actually I was just cool driven. that you were able to be able to, be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, there was no digital then, and, and they had no uh, photo program, but they had a police campus darkroom. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, during our dinner at uh, Pat's uh, about still shooting in film and also digital. So yes. what is your preferred medium right now or does it vary based I, upon what you're I doing? I do both and it depends on what I'm doing. So 
I use um, a camera called a Panorama. It's a, a custom-made panoramic camera made by Thomas Roma, who has been my uh, friend, mentor, teacher uh, for many, many years. He's the director of photography at Columbia University. Um, and so he built uh, two cameras, the Siciliano, which is a six by nine format, six centimeters by nine centimeters, medium format camera, which I also owned, and the Panorama, which was named for his wife, Anna Roma. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So it's a panoramic camera. So he made, he made these cameras. Um, and uh, so when I, when I photograph a subject that I think I want to photograph through the panoramic format, I still shoot film. And when I, for most of what everything else I'm doing right now, I shoot digital. So I, I do both. I love both. I, um, I love teaching film as a foundation, uh, but I also teach digital. Mm -hmm. So and, and I don't distinguish. I don't uh, discriminate. <laughs> sure. So we're, we're about coming up, we're coming up onto a break, but I do want to fire a couple of things off to you. And we'll talk more in the second half of the program, talking about like what it's like as an educator and your, and your students, et cetera. Do you find that there are, um, what are, what are the percentages like with people now? Do you still find people who want to shoot in, in film? Film has made a huge comeback. Okay. A huge comeback lately. And uh, to the point where there are uh, manufacturers bringing color films back and, black, and, and still producing black and white film. Never stopped. Um, it's made a, a big comeback. It's, it's still fairly niche in terms of you know, what we were saying before, that it, it is for the fine art world. Mm -hmm. you know. But but it's it's a big comeback right now. Hmm. And then uh, for the folks, I would like for you, I encourage you to stick around. We're going to talk about some more details about uh, Michael Chauvin Dalton's um, his classes that he teaches, and about some of the things that his students go through, such as the curriculum, etc. And uh, we're going to be breaking down some details about the demographics, etc. Because um, this is a, an industry that is growing. And it's going to be interesting for you to hear um, where his students are going and what they're doing afterwards, as well as learning about a forthcoming event that's going to be happening at the JKC Gallery coming up uh, later on this month in November 2017. So you're listening and watching the Trenton 365 Show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. We'll be back after a short break. And welcome back to the Trenton 365 Show. You can send me an email, Trenton, like the city, the numbers, 365show at gmail.com. I'd love to chat with you, meet for some food, have a conversation, because over meals and beverages, I believe that's the best way that we're going to get to know each other, one. And when we know each other, there's more than a better chance that we are going to build a better community together. So keep that in mind, Trenton365show at gmail.com. So you're listening to the Trenton 365 Show, broadcast Tuesday nights here over WIMG 1300 with streaming over the website WIMG1300.com. You're also watching over WPHY Channel 25 covering Mercer County, New Jersey, and archives of this and the other interviews are available on the website Trenton365.com. In the studio with me is Michael Chauvin Dalton, and he's got several titles, but we're only going to give him the one going forward. He's the coordinator of photography and digital imaging at Mercer County Community College, but it's the JKC Gallery, which is the Trenton campus. And I've got some information here I want to share with you about the gallery. The gallery is open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Monday and Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and on Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the location is 137 North Broad Street, and that's in Trenton, New Jersey. So um, I'm holding a large postcard, and it's for the upcoming exhibit of SHOT which is the show that is the photography show that's going to be happening and it's it's kicking off November 8th and it's going to run through December 6th, 2017. There is a reception and panel discussion on Thursday, November 16th from 5 to 8 p.m. with a discussion beginning at 5:30. So um so Michael when so, so why don't you tell the audience about this exhibit because I think that it's so spot on for what's happening culturally well, in the United States. That's the sad thing. Um, Kathy Shore is the photographer. She photographed 101 survivors of gun violence across the country. Um, and every time there was a press release, every time there was a show, when the book was published, everyone said, wow, this is really relevant to what's going on right now, because every time there was an incident. Um, and so it's I'm not even sure it makes sense to even say that anymore because it's relevant all the time. 
Uh, and so we're, we'll, we'll have this panel discussion, which will include some uh, survivors of gun violence at the talk. Um, the talk will be moderated by Professor Alvin Haywood, who's our communications professor at Mercer mm -hmm. County Community College. Um, and um, Kathy will show her work, and she'll do a book signing for her book, Shot. Uh, and there'll be, you'll be able, to, with the photographs, you'll be able to read, you know, what happened, the incidents, things like that, uh, as part of the captions. And the photographs are, are portraits, somewhat stoic portraits of the um, survivors. Uh, sometimes it's photo photographs of their scars. Sometimes it's photographs of family. It's, it's you know, it's pretty heartbreaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticking with the topic, the subject... Can you just talk about the power that photography has with documenting life? Right. So um, photography has, has sometimes been a, um, this great sort of uh, uh, way of, of, of revealing truths and, and sharing stories. And sometimes it's, it's been accused, and sometimes rightly so, of... of uh, providing of uh, uh, furthering falsehoods and mm. lies, right? Photog it's very easy to lie in photography. But on the whole, with projects like this, and um, everybody, re most people remember Vietnam through photographs, through television, right? It becomes our collective memory of, of, of events, of large events, of tragic events, typically. Um, when people think of 9-11, they think of the video footage of planes flying into the towers and the towers collapsing. And, and so, it, you know, this whole idea of this, this whole thing of, of visual imagery um, is very much our collective memory. But in, in, in terms of this project and this show, it has uh, been the start of some really great discussions and debates. Um, just recently, and I, I don't have the, the details with me, Kathy Shore was at a, another discussion where it was really, like, really serious pro-gun people talking to really, you know, um, um, gun restriction people, right? So real Second Amendment, real restrictions on Second Amendment, having a, a calm discussion. And that's what she really wants. She's not doing this to say we must ban the uh, Second Amendment and do away with all guns. She's doing this because... She wants people who are comfortable with guns, who grew up with guns, who have guns, who like shooting guns, to talk to people who are very much against guns, who are afraid of guns, who think guns are the root of all evil, and to find that common ground, to find common sense ideas. Mm. Now, um, this exhibit, which is at the JKC Gallery, um, can you just describe the gallery itself, um, because it's, it's a beautiful, brand new facility. Yeah. So just share some details so I, about it. I run it as a photography gallery, because it's not a large space, but it's a really nice space. So it's at 137 North Broad Street. It's a storefront gallery, so it's right on the sidewalk. Um, it was built as part of the whole renovation of Trenton Hall uh, many years, uh, I, I don't know, maybe five, seven years ago. Uh, you know, there was a proposal that Mercer would bring more, help bring more art to Trenton, because there's, a, as you know, a large movement to create a, a, an arts district in Trenton. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, Mercer, uh, purchased a building that used to be a furniture store and, and, and uh, renovated it, and the first program in there was the fashion program, uh, run by Katina Lindsay. Hi, Katina. Hi. And then, <laughs> and then um, you know, they, they, they worked on the building next door. They ended up having to tear it down because of structural issues and, and all. And they built this beautiful new part of Trenton Hall with a courtyard and the gallery and our, uh, a meeting area. And they asked someone, <laughs> who wants to run this gallery? And, and I said, I'll, I would love to run it. I'd love to run it as a photo gallery because that's what I know. Uh, and so it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful space. Uh, I've had, this is my sixth show. We started in January. Uh, and the receptions have been fantastic, uh, and we've had some some great shows. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, going forward, uh, what are your expectations for the gallery? And you mentioned the uh, arts district, which is uh, well on its way um, to to coming to some sort of a uh, completion, mm -hmm. or at least the start well, of you know, a completion. Like you said, Art All Day was a, a really nice success. We were open on Art All Day. I think I, I had my, the my photo club, the the Mercer Photo Club, run the gallery during that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to get them more involved in the gallery and. They said at least 50 people came through, which is about the size of a really nice reception there. Mm -hmm. In going forward, um, mm -hmm. the expansion, 
of uh, what photography is at JKC Gallery. Can you just share some details about that? Like what your well, expectations so, are. So I'd, I'd like it to be a gallery that is both a place for regional artists, but also a destination for photographers. And, and it, I've had a real mix uh, so far, which is exactly what I wanted. Uh, you know, we had uh, um, Habib Suab over the summer. We had... Um, Oh, I'm terrible with names. So <laughs> they can go to the website yes, and get all that information. Right, <laughs> and that's JKC Gallery at mccc.edu. And it's a JKC like James Kearney Campus Gallery at mccc.edu, which is Mercer County Community College. Edu. But okay. but again we've so we we have had regional artists and we've had artists come to the gallery and show work and and I do the beauty of having the podcast is I do get to speak to a lot of photographers and I do get them to show in my little gallery in Trenton which is great mm -hmm. and um, but w in terms of the shows themselves I I do want the shows to be somewhat pointed I want the shows to have um, an underlying um, an underlying idea that that does deal with uh, this sort of, uh, you know, who we are as people and how we relate to each other and what are the things we are dealing with. So there is a, what we call a documentary style to the shows that I have. You know, they are, they are, they are shows that are focused on ideas, on concepts that are, that do deal with, you know, who we are. Mm -hmm. Now let's, let's transition and talk about um, your, your program um, that, that you lead and that you teach at uh, Mercer County Community College, the photography program. Um, and talk a bit about the curriculum, but I want to start um, with your students. Um, approximately, what's, your, what's the enrollment like? Um, what are the, is it more men or women or, you know, who are, are taking your courses, et cetera? Yeah, so in terms of majors, it fluctuates a lot, <laughs> semester to semester, year to year. I've had as many as uh, 45 majors and as few as 12 majors. But the program itself serves more than just photo majors. So I, I tend to have at least 100 students pass through my curriculum every semester. Uh, and so we offer everything from black and white photography, film photography in the darkroom, to digital photography, to studio photography, documentary photography, photo history. Um, and so it is, a, it is a full range of photo classes that you would get at your first two years of, at any college mm -hmm. that has a photography program. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I would say in the last five to seven years, it's been 70 to 30 women photographers uh, mm -hmm. in my classes. Um, and I'm not sure why, <laughs> but uh, I'm happy that uh, there are more women doing photography. Um, you know, it's uh, photography is a field that was very male-dominated uh, for a long time, uh, and especially in positions of power, you know, in editors and, and, and curators and all. Um, so it's it's great. It's fantastic. Mm, yeah, that's great. And um, so going a little bit further than the students who at the college level, um, where you have them, for the the parents and, and guardians who have someone, a young person in their life or in their household who's saying, hey, you know, I think I really like photography. I may want to explore this as a profession or at least in higher education. What would you say to them? Well, I, I do tell my students that it is a very difficult profession and that there are not, there are not a lot of photographers who make their living solely through photography. Um, I teach. I did, um, like I said, I worked in a science stock photo agency for a long time. And I also did wedding photography, and I did photojournalism for a little while, and um, I decided I just wanted to pursue my fine art photography, uh, but I had no, I had no uh, illusions that I would, you know, immediately become some kind of success and sell my work and things like that. And I honestly, I didn't really even try. I just wanted to make photographs, and so that's when I, I mentioned that I had. Um, I, I had 10 years between undergrad and grad, and that's when I went to Columbia to get my MFA so I could teach. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a very difficult field. Um, if my students don't transfer to a four-year college after Mercer, they tend to, and I, I do suggest they do this, uh, start their own businesses. Because it's, like I said, in this area, especially there aren't a lot of jobs to be had in photography, but you can um, very easily photograph events for people and do portraits for people and I get um, I actually get a lot of job requests to the college for students 
to do work. And, you know, I make sure that they're not just looking for free labor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm very careful about that. And I'm very um, open about that with my students, that they should never work for free, because not only is it bad for them, giving them the reputation as the budget photographer, but it's also bad for the entire business and everyone else trying to make a living doing photography. But it's tough. Um, and you have to be passionate about it, and you have to really uh, put yourself out there. Um, and the other thing that I really preach very hard to my students is networking is not a dirty word. <laughs> networking is about finding someone who's interested in what you're doing and you're interested in what they're doing. And maybe by collaborating on something, they can offer you something and you can offer them something. And um, it's good for everybody, right? And that, that's networking. Fantastic. I'm speaking with Michael Chauvin Dalton, and he is the coordinator of photography and digital imaging at um, Digital Image at Mercer County Community College. And we'll be back after a short break. <laughs> and welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. In the studio with me is Michael Chauvin Dalton. He is the director, excuse me, director of the JKC Gallery, which yeah. stands for James Kearney Campus's Gallery, which is affiliated with Mercer County Community College in Trenton, New Jersey, but also the coordinator of photography and digital imaging. And his website is the photoshow.org that is also a podcast that I encourage you to go check out. To date he's got about 55 episodes that are available um, not only is he on there but he's also talking with uh, some of the other professionals that he knows who are in the industry and uh, that is affiliated with what school? Oh, so that is often sponsored by the School of Visual Arts. School of Visual Arts. Uh, where they provide me recording space. Thank you, All School right. of Visual Arts. Give them a big shout out. <laughs> yes. Know, the one thing that we always have to do in this business, because we're not like some celebrities with tons and tons and sponsors and advertisers rolling no. in. This is, this is a grind, <laughs> and we're all grinding ahead. So, uh, Michael, you've got this event that's coming up, um, this, this opening of a show. But I don't want to... And I apologize if I make it sound like this is the one or the first, because you have constantly, yes. constantly have shows going on. We had a fantastic show by Wendell White from Stockton University, and his series called Schools for the Colored, which was all about, it's something that not many people know about, segregated schools in the North. Mm. And that, that was a fantastic show, and I had a, a very large reception. So, mm. and like I said, I want shows that are very pointed and mm -hmm. so... Um, and when and Wendell's not a regional photographer, and so you know that, that's exactly the kind of thing I want to do with the gallery is mix it up. That's great. And folks, I encourage you to go to the website and check this out. It's JKC Gallery at mccc.edu, and uh, there you can find out some information about the forthcoming exhibit, which is going to run from November eighth through December sixth, and the name of it is Shot by Kathy Shore. So again, rehash what this show is about. Yeah, so uh, Kathy Shore went across country and photographed 101 gunshot survivors. Um, and she ran into, I mean, all kinds of people. And, and that's the other thing about the show is um, gun violence is not restricted to any class, race, level of education, political belief, anything like that. Um, and so she wanted to show that in the work. And, and this work, um, I think there are about 24 photos in the gallery and they will explain people's circumstances and a little bit of their story. Um, and we'll have that panel discussion on November 16th at 5.30 with some of the survivors who are in the book who are from the region. Mm, that's great. Yeah. It's great that, the, that you, this opportunity is here, right, in this region without having to go to a larger city, mm -hmm. uh, Philadelphia, New York, et cetera. But it, uh, the subject matter is a tough one. Sure. And, and I'm glad that you pointed out that, that this isn't something that just pops up on occasion. This is a consistent, long timeline right. of issues that we as a culture have to figure out what we're going to do about it. It's always a good time to talk about it, because we need to talk about it, mm. um, and it's always happening. There's no, there's no downtime here. There's, there's not going to be the right moment to have this debate. Mm. Great. And great, but upsetting at yeah. the same time. Um, you mentioned earlier um, about old slides in the basement <laughs> and um you know and i was telling you yeah you have a friend you know or a right. grandparent passes away and you say oh my god i found out that my grandparents mm -hmm. they were really into photography at one point in time and i found this box of all these yeah. old slides what do i do which with is them? a great thing um to have that history you know when when digital photography first uh started to come around i went to a, a lecture from the I believe it was a, a, an, a, an archival you know, records team from the Smithsonian 
who had to do, figure out how to store photographs. And they actually um, store their work in, um, I might get this a little wrong, uh, in some dry caverns and in temperature-controlled caves somewhere. Uh, so I'll have to look that up. I'm, not wanna, <laughs> I'm starting a rumor. <laughs> but it's something like that. It is something like that. But anyway, uh, when, again, when people were still shooting a lot of film and starting to shoot digital, this guy basically said, if you want your photographs to be here in 200 years, shoot film. Because... You have to remember, back then, we were still using floppy disks to store our images uh, and hard drives, of course. And then there were uh, zip drives and jazz drives and SCSI drives and CD-ROMs and DVDs and uh, Blu-ray. And, and so one of the pitfalls and dangers of digital photography is you have to maintain uh, a consistent storage practice where you keep moving your images to the next thing. Uh, right? So optical drives are almost gone, you know, CD-ROMs and DVDs and things like that. Um, spinning hard drives are probably going to be gone very soon for so solid-state hard mm -hmm. drives. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of memory is that? Is it volatile? Is it permanent? Anyway, all kinds of technical things. There's all kinds of things to consider. And then there's cloud storage. And will the cloud always be here, right? Or will that go away somehow? Or will companies go out of business and you'll lose everything? I mean, there's so many decisions to make. But getting back to what you were saying, um, I just had someone ask me this very question, um, but what he was really asking is if we could do it. <laughs> and so we don't do that. <laughs> we don't have that service at Mercer. We do have film scanners, but they're just for the students and we're not gonna start a business with them and we need to keep them going because there aren't many manufacturers anymore. But there is a really good scanner right now if you're interested in much more professional results. A flatbed scanner that will let you do a whole page of slides at once. Um, and it's uh, made by Epson. Uh, Epson, you should sponsor this show and my show for this. Yes, Epson. Yes, Epson. <laughs> but it's uh, the Epson V850 is what they're up to, but there was a 800 and a 750 and a 700. And, of course, you can, you can get the previous generation for half the price probably. But it's a great flatbed film scanner. So if you don't need, like, you know, a terabyte of information, but, but you'd want really good scans of your old slides and software that will restore color and fix scratches and dust like that. That's a fantastic, fairly affordable, maybe $700 range scanner uh, for really professional results. Otherwise, there are a lot of services online that will scan your, your uh, images for you. Taylor Photo, another potential sponsor, uh, here in, uh, in town <laughs> will also scan work. Uh, there might be some others that I, I don't know of that I can't think of right now. But, you know, that, that industry, that business will go away, away eventually. You know, eventually there's already far fewer film scanners now than there used to be 10 years ago. Mm. So if you're going to do it, do it now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, something else I'd like for you to, to chat about, and that's um, the beginning photographer. Um, you know, uh, we, we always want to expose children to, to different things, especially things that we're passionate about. What do you say to the people who have um, young people, you know, who show some interest in photography, who may or may not be using a mobile device to capture images, but they may want to get into that next step. They may want to buy some equipment, etc. What, what would you like to share with them? Yeah, so I've had a few parents at the soccer game ask me this question. You know, um, what what should my daughter get? What should my son get? And um, one of the things I and so it's a little different. One of the things I tell my students when they're ready to buy a camera is buy what you can afford because the truth is unlike a lot of other products out there you do get what you pay for with a camera you really do um, and there are a lot of good baseline cameras out there um, if you're look you know if so you know it's it's a matter of gauging you know do you go out and get your kid the whole drum kit or do you go out and start with a, you know a, a triangle right um, so you, you really have to gauge your own child in terms of their ability to stay with something, their, you know, how many other things have they tried and dropped very quickly. Um, but if it, if it seems like they really are interested and they really want to learn photography, you really still need to do go with a, a camera that allows you to control everything. And typically that's a, a, a DSLR, an entry-level DSLR. And there are a lot of them out there. I don't, I don't want to go through brands or names mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, but that's a great place to start, and there are very affordable ones. And there, 
there's things called bridge cameras where you can't remove the lens, but you can still control everything. That's also a great way to start, maybe a little less expensive. But if you can afford the one of the baseline DSLRs and you really think your child's going to stay with it and want to learn everything, that, that's a way to start. Mm-hmm. That's great. And what about uh, adults who um, have uh, had some interest in it, but maybe have never had a, uh, a camera, a DSLR, um, or like me, um, mm-hmm. you know, I take a thousands of, of images every every month, um, but I'm using my mobile device. It's embarrassing. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Actually, I'm I'm all for it. I, I I don't I don't get worked up over devices mm. and equipment. I like what I like. You should use what you like. I really don't. I don't. I'm, I'm not. I don't get. I'm not uh, pedagogical in that way. Right. So. Um, uh, if you're making photos that you think are good on that phone and you can share them and do whatever you want to do with them, you should continue using it. The, what you, you should make your decisions on the limitations. So can I not, maybe I can't make that 17 by 22 print from a phone image because it's a tiny sensor and it's so compressed. I need something else. Equipment is just the means to an end. It's not, it's not making good photographs. There's no camera in the world that makes good photographs, <laughs> right? It's all you. Um, sometimes it's an accident, but it's still you. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what you should go. You go with what you need at the moment. I'm in the process of upgrading my digital camera now from one thing to another. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm apologizing to my wife right now. <laughs> So if I don't see you again, I pretty much know <laughs> yeah, what happened. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you go. You know, I I want to do something a little different, so I'm changing cameras. You know, and and that's that. Go with what you need at the moment, and you know, different projects are also require different things. So it's all level, different levels of you know how involved you are and, and what you need. Mm-hmm. And uh, would you encourage anyone to do any research by uh, going to any publications or just looking online oh. to any particular websites? Well, all right, I'm going to give a shout out. I really like. Um, dpreview.com or it's either dpreview or it stands for digital photo review I'm dp review so it's d p r e v i e w.com i think it's .com might be .net but anyway both of both of them will probably get you there they have exhaustive uh, headache causing reviews of equipment <laughs> <laughs> so gotcha. if you if you can handle that it's it's quite good it's quite good yeah there's also another website so if you are a if you're really type A <laughs> and you really want to get into it, there's a, a website called dxomark.com, maybe? I, I don't know the extensions. But anyway, what they do these incredibly detailed, complicated mathematical graph tests of lenses oh, and yeah. sensors. And uh, they do the conclusions are easy enough to read. You might just want to go jump to the conclusions on both websites. But I like those two sites. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Michael Chauvin Dalton, educator. Um, thank you so much for a couple of minutes of your time. I look forward to seeing what you're doing next and to see you at the opening of SHOT, which is going to take place at James Kearney Campus Gallery in Trenton, New Jersey. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Sure thing. You've been listening and watching the Trenton 365 show heard Tuesday nights here over WIMG 1300, New Jersey's oldest radio station with streaming online at the same time, WIMG1300.com and television via WPHY Channel 25 covering Mercer County, New Jersey. You can also visit the website Trenton365.com for archives of this interview and others. And you can follow me on Facebook, Trenton 365 show and on Twitter, Trenton 365. You can post your events to the Trenton 365 community calendar page on Facebook as well. And I hope to see you at the shot opening by Kathy Shore, which is taking place on November 8th through December 6th in Trenton, New Jersey. Have a great night, folks.